while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Barrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Chris McCarthy. As always, Marcus Farrow is holding down the fort as well. Marcus, how you doing? All right, um, Chris. What's we got to we got to uh, we got to uh, sort of um, close the loop on this. Uh, what what uh, what's your favorite TV show of all time? Don't say don't say BJ and the Bear. <laughs> Marcus, <laughs> it's Hill Street Blues. Okay. And the reason I say that with some confidence is that I just bought season one and two. Oh. You, can, you know, because they're, they're not available except you got to pay for them. Okay. Which is okay. Um, and I was right back in the fifth grade watching it with my dad again, you know. Um, but BJ and the Bear is a close second. <laughs> a truck driver, a monkey. Come on, it was the best. All right. Hill Street Blues. Where what was you? yours? Sopranos. Okay, I was thinking I mean, broadcast television. Okay, um, okay. So if we're then if if we're gonna go that route, um, then then Mad Men. Yeah, that's a good one. Mad, Mad Men. Men. Mad Men was a really good show. If we're, a, if, if we're gonna say non HBO, so nice Mad Men. Yes. No, no. That that's a good one. That's yeah. a real good one. Then Mad Men, I would say. Yeah. It's funny. Did you watch? Are you watching Succession? Oh yeah. All right. So. Easter, um, I was at my godfather's house, and uh, his wife's family was all there. And I know them, but I don't see them that often. They're mostly in New Jersey. So, um, although they have moved up to Mount of Poison, a number of them. So, um, we were talking. It's quite an upgrade. It, it, it <laughs> is. New Jersey to Mount of Poison. It is. So, um, we were talking about succession. And I said, the language is rough. The language is pretty rough. And the, the characters are not likable. No. Right? Not at all. Um, unlike Sopranos, where you did sort of like the, some of the you characters. You did, even though they were all terrible people. Terrible people, but you, you, and maybe because you got to know them for so long. Right? Yeah, right. Succession is relatively new, I think, for me anyway. I just, yeah. Well, this is the last season. Uh, and they already, you know, I don't want to ruin it for anybody that hasn't seen it, but obviously there's a big change in the storyline. Huge line. change, yeah. Um, the guy looks just like Billy Walsh, by the way. Oh, yeah? The main character. Yeah. Or, I guess, formerly main character. Yes. Um, Who, by the way, played a great IRA soldier in in a, in a movie in the, uh, about the IRA. Michael Collins? 
Uh, no, he was in another movie. I, geez, I think it's called The Box or something like that um, about the, about the IRA, and he plays the IRA commander who who comes and goes. Okay, um, he's a lot younger in that movie, but anyway, um, yeah, TV shows. It's always a good topic. It was good, so I just wanted to ask you. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, I think I think uh, that, that that's a good um, good pick. All right, so uh, what about uh, real stuff? So real stuff, Marcus. We know that um, tonight we'll have the the city council has a meeting tomorrow night. They have a meeting tonight as well. They have a meeting tonight as well. Yeah, so because they they're um, they have a planning two, board, right? They have two meetings, okay. I guess. I don't know who 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 can explain that to us later is um is Ian Abreu he's going to call in so. always available always available always available and I want to thank Ryan uh, for for coming in studio last night he did a nice great. job I appreciate we yeah. always appreciate that yeah uh, uh, Ryan's great so um so they, they yeah they got a couple meetings I know Ian's got something on marijuana zoning and uh, and that should be um should be it should be fun so. They'll they'll get the mayor's vetoes. Um, it's, it's it's kind of an interesting thing, Marcus, and I think you and I were discuss- we were discussing the way we're, we're learning this. Yeah, and so by the way, we're still uh, we're still taking app chat messages on your favorite TV show. Um, sure, that's, that'll be a running topic. Yeah, uh, or TV shows that you just like you want to mention because we got a lot of them from last night. But uh, the yeah, so I, I think that some of these ballot questions are. DOA actually uh because very interesting. Yeah, it is. I think some of them are just from having some conversations with people uh and I think there's there's the three questions. The one is um do you want to gut the community preservation act funding um for no reason at all? And two uh do you want to cut the mayor's term from 4 years back to 2 years? And then three, do you want uh the city to Make an ordinance on rent stabilization. So, I think to those the the first two questions are going to not be. I think the Mitchell's veto on those questions will be sustained, which means I think that that those questions won't appear in the ballot. I don't think they have enough votes to override. Yeah, I'm hearing the same thing. Um, It'd be interesting. The danger of the CPA question. Is that such a valuable program? Mm-hmm. So, I don't think debate is wrong, but, but that, I, it's not happening. But I do think that the way the city council brought it all forward without any conversation, they removed the room for debate. Yeah, right. There's no debate when it goes to the ballot. No, you go in, you vote. That's yeah. the end of it, right? Um, so, I do think. Well, not only that, we, you know, we the entire basis for the CPA question was I got phone calls right. that no one else did, and uh, this is costing you a lot of money, which it's objectively not um, costing you a lot of money. So, uh, so, so it was like based on things that are not true. And, and again, Marcus, the city council has the last look at the, how the money is spent. Mm-hmm. They have more control over that project than anything, really. Yeah. And those the projects that get funded. They appoint the people who sit on the committee. So the fact that they never rejected a single, they never even subjected a single project to tough questioning mm-hmm. for this to suddenly appear. 
What I think we had, Marcus, and I think you'll agree, we're coming to find out, is that there was some horse trading. Yeah, I think so. You vote for my question, I'll vote for your question. Nothing wrong with that. It's what goes on. But we'll find out how that ultimately ends up. We actually have, um, we got Ian on the line now. Hey, counselor. Oh, uh, new phone. Oh, you can. Hey, Ian. Hi, gentlemen. Do you have me? Yeah, this is a city councilor at large, Ian Abreu, joining us. Hey, what's going on? Hi, gentlemen. Just stepped outside uh, for a, a brief moment. I wanted to call in. Uh, we, We're not going to be treated to the screaming kids in the background? Not today. Oh, no, too bad. Today. Too that, bad. That, that's another day. I want right? the listeners to hear what you go through every day. Oh, man. And we're, <laughs> we're in the process of trying to uh, rid diapers out of the Abu house for the first time since 2016 because my daughter is now out of it. I've got my son who's about to turn three, and my daughter got out of it no problem. My son has no interest at all in using the toilet. So, and, <laughs> you know, hey, listen, you know what? I, I tell this story because there's a human side to me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real person with a real problem. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, he so. has a support group, folks. Swing by his house and talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. If there is a support, no, but, uh, so, you know, uh, and you were correct, Marcus. We had a, we still have a planning board meeting happening right now, and uh, there's a lot of items on that agenda um, that we're uh, dealing with. But the two two of the items that I presented tonight, um, thankfully, were uh, passed and uh, presented favorably out of the committee, one of which um, was important. You talked about this a little bit, Marcus, and um, so I'll, I'll when we ordained our cannabis ordinance for opening of dispensaries back in 2018, we were up against the proverbial uh, shot clock, if you will. We had to get something on the books or else we'd fall under states' um, laws as far as buffers and everything else goes, which there really aren't many. So we got something on the books, sort of not in a rush job, but we had to get it on by September of 2018, at which point the hours of operation that were inserted in by the administration, but agreed to by the council and the planning board, uh, were Monday, well, Sunday through Saturday for, set for seven days a week, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Now, we all agreed to it, so I can't throw the administration completely under the bus, but I know we had to get something on the books. The preface and the, the mindset was always, well, once we get cannabis dispensaries online in the city of New Bedford, we were going to amend the hours of operation because nobody and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts operates 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. as far as dispensaries go. So myself and Councilor Baptiste co-sponsored the petition before the planning board to change the hours of operation for every day of the week for not just the dispensary we have open in the city now, but um, for uh, all dispensaries coming forward, that they are now to operate from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So now we, what we've done is we've added hours on the back end and we added an hour on the front end and it'll alleviate some rush hour traffic issues right around five o'clock before getting out of work it's obviously an economic driver uh when the president and chief executive officer of ascend at the ribbon cutting pulls me and a couple of my colleagues aside and says you know you're spending a lot of money out of town with these hours right that to yeah. me was an arrow to the brain i said okay we have to act sure. listen i like the people at bask I like the people at Solar and Dartmouth and, right. and the Fairhaven and all that, but I'm not elected by those taxpayers. I want revenue in New Bedford. And the manager of Ascend actually spoke tonight and said uh, it's definitely greatly inhibiting not only their revenue that comes into the company, but also into the city 
And as a result, too, it further hamstrings their ability to hire more new Bedfordites. So uh, it was a four-to-one vote. It was four in the affirmative, one in the dissent. I'm proud of the fact that it was kicked out favorably. Now it will come before the New Bedford City Council Ordinance Committee, which I look forward to some debate there, but I'm hoping for a passage there because, to me, this, this was a no-brainer. It was a long time coming. We had to get it done. So, Ian, um, I don't know if you have the figures so far or if you have them committed to your memory, but what does the revenue uh, picture look like so far? I don't have those numbers yet because uh, they just opened up earlier okay. in the quarter, and we, we'll get those reportings quarterly. But okay. I, I do know that based on the average aggregate of what communities receive from host agreement monies, the average now, mind you, uh, it, it's north of $300,000 a year is what municipalities similar to New Bedford are receiving in that 3% cannabis host agreement revenue on top of, of course, the property tax, of course, everything else that comes along with it, the employment, the wages, everything of the sort. So I'll be curious to see what those numbers are when the first quarter comes out. Uh, When we get those, I'll be sure to share them with you and the listeners because I think it's important to see the numbers. Now, it won't be a true canvas because the hours have been somewhat limited. But I'm curious to see what they are, and I'll, we'll really get a true picture in the second quarter when we get a full nine to nine uh, for the hours. Ian, I think that you, you, when you were doing this uh, way back when, along with the administration, had talked about the fact that the regulation is going to be tight, but you guys could look to, to loosen them as as time went along, and people became more um, acclimated to the to the to the to the business, basically. Well, and I said that this evening before the planning board, as did. My colleague, Councillor Baptiste, and a few others who spoke in support. Cannabis recreationally, put aside to the side how you might feel about it. Right. Get that to the side. Yes. I said this on the record. I said, these companies have way too much money invested and on the line to play games or for any shenanigans. They have investors. They have tens of millions of dollars in many cases on the line here for product, expansion, salaries and wages, taxes, everything of the sort. So they don't have time for games or to be... Uh, partaking in anything nefarious or to have anything illegal happening or to have any traffic hiccups. These people are legitimate businessmen, businesswomen, uh, and they have to be treated as such, no matter how you might feel about cannabis. I mean, they're they're on the same playing field as casinos and adult entertainment and liquor stores and bars and pubs, illegal entities. If you morally are against those things, that's perfectly fine. That's your right. Then you're a loser. Then don't go. <laughs> then don't go. Right. right. But, uh, Stop being such but, a square. Right. No, no one makes you go buy a, a fifth of Jack Daniels or a, or an eighth of weed or, or go gamble. You know, right. Yeah. It'd be yeah, a lot cooler if you did. Don't do it. Yeah. Exactly. We want. We want yeah, all that because we, lo- we love other people's money in New Bedford, right? Right. But, uh, no, but in all seriousness, uh, it is an economic driver, and it's something that is important. And uh, this was something that, uh, you know, I, I, had, I had pulled aside, you know, Derek Baptiste and I talked about it. And I said, you know, geez, we've got to get this uh, going. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, uh, working with me and all the cannabis stuff, and we're working together. And we said, yeah, let's file it. So we filed it. We got it on. And I, I want to commend the chairman of the planning board, Arthur Glassman, there's a guy who gets it. He's a small business owner, like I am now here in the city and like many others. And he understands economic development. He understands revenue, numbers, and he understands bureaucracy and trying to flash uh, bureaucracy that can get into the way. So I appreciate, uh, you know, his, steward, uh, his stewardship and his leadership on this. And uh, 
I'm glad it was a good vote. And uh, the chairman of the Ordinance Committee, Ryan Pereira, has assured me and promised uh, all of us that uh, and those who support it that he will hold a hearing as soon as possible to get this buttoned up. Hey, perfect. Ian, thank you so much. Um, is there anything else coming up you want to talk about? Well, obviously, uh, tomorrow night, uh, the three mayoral vetoes will be before us. I know we've spoken about I, I thought it was next week. Uh, well, no, they're going to be before us tomorrow just to spread, receive on file and spread on the record. Right. Um, there'll be no debate tomorrow. There'll be no vote tomorrow. If there's a debate tomorrow, other than whether or not to receive and place it and spread it on the record, it would actually be inappropriate or uh, out of order because that's not on the question. The question is to spread it. We have to spread it for us. Then on April 27th, it comes before us for debate if there is some, but definitely the roll call vote on each of these items uh, to see where they where they stand. Ian, um, what's your position on, on each of the questions? Um, I will be voting uh, to sustain the veto on all three items. Um, so, so you're voting if, against the three ballot so if questions. If there's, a mo- if there's a motion to override, uh, which that would be the motion in the affirmative, motion to override, my vote would be no, meaning we would sustain the vetoes, yes. Um, the only one, the only question that maybe I could be convinced if there was a compelling case would be the four-year mayoral term. But even though I might have an opinion on that, which I do, mm-hmm. we can get to that. But the reality is that two election cycles ago, the people of the city spoke in favor of that. That's what they wanted. Right. And it's my job to instill the will of the people. They wanted a four-year mayoral term whether it's John Mitchell, whether it's anybody, um, because you can make the case um, that whenever a new mayor is elected and inaugurated, that first six months, that first half a year, they, they're inheriting the prior administration's budget. They're, they're inheriting all of that. Sure. So it's not really their budget. It's not really their initiatives. And they're inheriting that. And then that's so if it's a two-year term, the first half of the year, so one quarter already, into your first term before you run for re-election the following year, it's not even your agenda, really, when you think about it. So I think the case was pretty compelling uh, to keep the four-year uh, term, and um, we'll see how those votes uh, stack out. That one uh, might be close. I'm not sure where it's going to go, I, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see where this, where this goes. But I, as of today, I mean, not as of today, it's going to be as of today and every day, uh, my vote is no on all three items. Um, Ian, we uh, we appreciate you joining us. Is there uh, anything else you wanna you wanna leave us with before we let you go? No, I think that's it. I appreciate the opportunity to call in, but the main thing, you know, we can talk. You know, I know hey, we talked Somo about going? my Somo's going well. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, I'm blessed. Uh, Where uh, the community has really embraced us, and uh, uh, we can't keep up on the shelves in some of the stores. I'm not going to name the names because they don't pay for advertising on your station, but if you go to my website, smilewithslomo.com, you can see where to get all your Slomo syrup products. Uh, but um, And I do advertise on your station, so I can you plug do. that. You, you um, do. You do. But, we appreciate um, it. No, but thank you. But anyway, but the reason why I did call was about the city stuff. Thank you for that. And um, we know my positions on, on, on the ballot questions. We could talk more about that in the future. But the main reason why I wanted to come on was to let people know that we are working on amending the cannabis uh, hours of operation. So um, so thank you for the opportunity, and I look forward to connecting again soon. Thanks, Ian. Thanks a lot, Ian. Appreciate it. Bye-bye, guys. Um, so that was kind of interesting, the, the four-year question, right? Yeah. Um, contrary to some of the conversations, Marcus, 
I think there was a lot of conversation about the four-year term. There was a grassroots group that put it on the ballot. They didn't just, it wasn't the city council that put it on the ballot. No, so, it was the, the group was called Forward, I remember. Right. They were all community. F-O-U-R. Yeah. Word. Yeah. Right, yeah. I remember. Community yeah. leaders, business people, things yeah, like yeah. that. There was a conversation. By the way, there was a conversation on the other side. Mayor Scott Lang was opposed to it. Came on my program a lot. Um, he ran advertising opposed to it. He did. There was conversation. There was a vote. So I don't think it's fair to say there wasn't a lot of conversation. There was. There was. Yeah. No. Now, I, if you want to revisit, it, that's I, I, fine. I would. I would say to say that there wasn't any conversation um, would be either uh, you know oh, bad history, bad history, or or uh, yeah, I will say bad history. Bad history. That's a. Uh, more neutral way of saying it. It's a more neutral way of saying lying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the um, I look. I was opposed to the four-year term. I still have my questions about it because I think the city of New Bedford has gotten very lucky with John Mitchell. I, yeah. I know that that's not always going to be the it case. It could be. It could be a. Could be an absolute nightmare. Could be an absolute nightmare, Marcus. And, y- you know, you say, well, the voters, I do agree, the voters generally know better. The voters generally get it correct. Um, but things can happen. And as we're, as we're going forward here, as an example, what if suddenly John Mitchell decides he's not going to run again? Yeah. And there's a vacuum. Right. Now, I don't know. There are some people out there, but I know that there are some people that wouldn't go this time. Right. It's not right for them. Um, people I think would, would do a pretty good job, but they're just, it's just not the right time for them. Um, with a vacuum, if suddenly John Mitchell says, I'm not running. Yeah. What is it? It's not a lot of signatures to get on the ballot. It's not that many. It's you could have someone blow in from out of town. It's only 50, isn't it? Something like that. Mm-hmm. You could have a blow in candidate. I think it's 50, or is it? I yeah. think 50 is right, Mark. I think, I know it's, I think I'm pretty sure it's 50 for, for city council. It is. Yeah. Which is for, it's 50 to get on the ballot here in Fairhaven. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of a fan of a limited amount a limited amount of hurdles to get on the ballot. Yeah. You know, um, I think if you can, you know, if you go around and only get 50 signatures, you, you're not going to get elected anyway. Yeah. Right. But. Um, Remember when someone said they were going to run for city council and they stood outside of a convenience store for like 10 minutes. And they didn't get any signatures. They, they didn't get a single one and then said, you know what? Uh, people need to get more involved. Right. Right. <laughs> I haven't right. heard from that person since. No, where are they? Where are they? They were the, they were the great hope for democracy. Yeah. And they abandoned it. They did. People really, you know, I was discouraged at how many people outside of the Cumberland Farms didn't right. want to sign. People got to get more involved. Right. Like, right. Maybe they don't want to be bothered by you at six in the morning. Right. By, by your, your, your spontaneous hobby. Can you just. You want to be in government spontaneously. Can you, can you, can you imagine getting. Can you imagine, like, 50 people just, <laughs> like, standing outside? You think you're going to get 50 signatures in, like, an hour? Oh, no, they've never done it before. Just, That's what I'm saying. You think, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. There's 50 people that go to Cumberland Farms. Well, well it, 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 is, it is, Marcus, a, um, 
commentary on their commitment or knowledge of the basics. Yes. Right? I, I mean, agree. if you think that's a doable thing, you haven't given any of this any thought, and you're going to make a terrible city council. Yes. So. Um, yes, that is all I mean, true. I mean, the beauty of New Bedford politics is that they demand that you go meet them. Mm-hmm. You, the candidate, you have to. You better go knock on their door. Yeah, you're not going to get a vote. You have to ask people for their vote, or they're not going to give it to you. Right. And in and, and the That's process of asking to. for votes, you get more than just the votes. You get their opinions, their problems, their commentary. You become a much better candidate. Yeah. Right. You know stuff. You right. learn stuff. You learn stuff. So, um, the ballot questions. Um, again, the my my problem with the ballot questions was that they would just suddenly appear. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think there's a conversation about rent stabilization. It's an important one. Um, a lot of time was wasted. Um, I will say to Councilor Burgo's credit, and um, I had my criticisms of Councilor Burgo, although I'm always quick to point out I like the man, and I think he's genuine uh, in his concerns, although I think it is, his methods were leave to be desired, but as he pointed out, he's brand new. And I, I, I do agree with that. But he has moved the conversation. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, I, will, I will say I was at uh, UMass Dartmouth today for the um, for the uh, housing um, the housing conference, the South Coast Housing Conference. They had the regional representative from HUD come down to a presentation. And uh, Keating had, um, Congressman Keating, when he opened, because it was his conference he had organized, had had recognized um the home group specifically and mentioned Carl Alves, my cousin who who runs PACA and mentioned Shane Burgo by name. And it was a good it was a good conference. He talked about a lot of uh, available stuff um that they can do to combat uh the the intractable housing crisis. So um we got to uh we got to take a break though. All right. Uh, we'll be right back. Do you have anything else? No. no. Okay. uh yeah so welcome back welcome back and uh we'll take your calls good evening hello hey what's up on the air hey marcus how you doing chris i'm doing well my friend how are you oh hanging in there you know still still kicking i love it every time i hear you i go he's still kicking i'm still kicking you know you can get out of bed one foot, put one foot down, <laughs> and the other one you can stand up. I agree. Around, you know, I agree. That's my you move. Know, I, I just listened to Ian Abreu. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, rent rent stabilization on this non-binding referendum. He's against uh, it. term limits going back from two to four, back to two, and uh, you know, in uh, Cambridge, if you own a property in Cambridge and you live in that same home, you get a tax break. Did you know that? Yeah, Liz Warren gets it. Yeah, she gets it. So why can't we put this on this non-binding referendum? If we're going to pay for the for the paper, you might as well fill you it, tax fill it up with what? If you if you own a, a, your home and you live in that same property, you get a tax break. But I would say the language here in the city of New Bedford: if you own a tenement home and you, you and you live in that tenement home, uh, uh, you should get a tax break. I, I think that's a good idea. Um, it, it probably is a good idea. I'm, I'm not sure 
um, what the, what the what the economics of that turn out to be. I, I wouldn't want to comment on something without a real study done on it, um, because that that could 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 end up being a serious financial impact. Um, and 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 you have to figure out how that's going to go. I mean, I, I like the idea of it, but but I would I would before I could sign on to it. I think any type of financial policy like that, you got to have a study done. Well, we're not doing a study about rent stabilization. No, I but mean, it's not going to happen anyway. It's in the wind, basically, if you think about oh, it. No, I agree with you. It's not going to happen. It's a cruel hoax. I've said it from the beginning. Yeah. It's a cruel hoax. Yeah. You know, one more thing I'm going to tell you about Cambridge. Maybe you know this, Chris, or maybe not. Do you know that the city of Cambridge gets the most local aid uh, from the state than any other city in the Commonwealth? So you that. pay your state taxes, and it goes all... To Cambridge, they get all the local aid. While New Bedford gets the shaft over here. Um, I didn't know that. I I, I have to tell you, I didn't know that. Um, You know, I found out from Holly Robichaud. She said uh, that. I would I would double check that source. (laughs) You think she's very good? Well, she she (laughs) she has her moments. Come on, you got your phone. You got your phone in front of you, Marcus. Look it up right now. City of Cambridge gets the most local aid. In the state of I, Massachusetts, I don't doubt that that's true. Honestly, I just well, I mean, no, I w- you don't want to look it up. You don't want to believe it. No, no, it, it, it probably is. <laughs> it probably is true because <laughs> I don't of, of the way the formula works. I, will, I refuse to believe um, this. And no, the gu- I, I believe it. And the guys who write the formula have been coming out of the Boston Cambridge area. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Decades. Yeah. It makes total sense. You, you know what? You know something, Chris? What's that? It's the professionals that come up with the formula. And guys like me and you, you just get the shafteroni. That's about it. <laughs> the, um, the the reality of it is is that um, everyone's getting, you know, the, the state aid formula is actually going to be less, I think, this time around than it, than it has been in 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 previous years. We'll see what the governor is going to do. Um, I know that I know that the um, the Mass Municipal Association has been warning about that that there's going to be. Uh, less state aid this year. I, I don't know how that's going to be with all the, with the overflowing coffers, but we'll, we'll find out as the budget goes along. Let me just tell you, if Ian Abreu gets behind this, uh, this like I told you, an owner-occupied 10-minute home, if you're the owner, you live in it, uh, in the same residence, you get a tax break, I'll tell you, Ian Abreu would win and with a landslide, probably be historical. If, if if what? If he ran for if, if Ian Abreu makes that proposal that if you're an owner-occupied tenement home, if you own a home, you live in a tenement home, if he were to put up that proposal and, and get and get all the signatures and put it on the ballot and it wins, uh, he'd win. Uh, if he ran for mayor, he'd win with a, uh, a landslide. Histor- it would be a historical day in New Bedford. Yeah. It, if, it, 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 look, if I ran on everybody getting free ice cream every single day. Free ice cream. Right, well, I, I would, you know, your buddy there, your buddy there, your, your buddy bro there, uh, Sanders, uh, he, uh, you know, we wanted a photo op up in New Hampshire. And uh, he said, well, if everybody goes there at a certain time, everybody get free ice cream. So the press was there. They took photos. And then after, yeah. the person there said, no, sorry, we're no more ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's I a like true that. story. Sure it was, uh, was it New Hampshire or was it Ben and Jerry's? No, it was New Hampshire. It was in New Hampshire. You wanted to get a crowd, so they promised everybody ice cream. And when they got there, 
They got yeah, chips. I guess. That's a, you know, that's pretty, they're pretty broke. You know, Ian Abrams gives out free ice cream, and he does always uh, give it out. Uh, honestly, the... Yeah, but the idea that Bernie Sanders needed to give away free ice cream to draw a crowd is not just he doesn't he doesn't need well, there to. There you go again. You you don't believe it. You gotta you gotta look into it. I I do want to look into Bernie, the great, the great ice cream. The, I want to look into the the Bernie Sanders ice cream scandal. Ice cream. Yeah, look into that and look into Cambridge too. Getting a lot of money. Oh, I'm All sure right, they get a lot of money. Hey, thanks, thanks, thank you. Appreciate it. I'm Have sure a, they get a lot of money. The um um. Holly Robichon, she's never won a campaign in Massachusetts. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> You're laughing. I'm not laughing. It's not funny to me. It's almost like she works for the other guy. It seriously is. Yeah, she <laughs> really is. I uh, mean, twenty. I, I like her personally, but um, and I think she's got a lot of good stories. I, 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 I think she's funny. Um, I enjoy her when she's on with Barry, but I I, I think that um, I wouldn't uh, take her campaign advice. I'm sorry. I just think um, it, the, the track record is just uh, it's not there. <laughs> no. It's no. just not there. I just, I mean, she's 0-2 just this past year, right? At least 0-2. 0-3. She worked on uh, Dooley's campaign, too, didn't she? It's, it's, just, it's, it's just a disaster. <laughs> it's an absolute disaster. <laughs> It's an absolute disaster. <laughs> Batting you know, zero. You know, Marcus, I'll just tell you this. <laughs> uh, the, the British had a spy called Steak Knife, okay, inside the IRA. Steak Knife killed 18 members of the, of the IRA. Wow. He was on the nutting squad. He would interrogate and get confessions from members of the Irish Republican Army. But he was secretly a British spy the entire time. Yeah. Wow. Holly Robichaud is steak knife. <laughs> She's killed more than 18 Republicans in Massachusetts. Gets home. Remember take... the Irish Republican Army. She's <laughs> killed more Republicans than steak knife. Get, get, just he get, killed 18. Just gets home and just takes off her wigs just like long blue hair. She calls Maggie Thatcher up. She's got a... Got a in portrait of Barack Obama. <laughs> she calls up Margaret Thatcher and they, they chuckle over the dead Republicans. <laughs> it's unbelievable. We should take a break. 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. 300. You don't have to stick by your radio to hear all of South Coast tonight. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or download their podcast. South Coast Tonight continues now. So, Marcus, um, we'll be taking people's phone calls at 508-996-0500. And the app chats. And the app chats. What's your favorite TV show? What's your favorite TV show? BJ and the Bear and, and uh, Hill Street Blues are already taken. Yeah. Hill Street Blues was um, literally before your, your time. Um, I was 10 years old when it came out. Yeah, I, 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 I never it's watched it. funny. No, it was all off the air by the time. You were watching television. When was it off the air? It went off in 1988, year before I was born. Yeah, yeah. It um, it it. What's funny watching it now, Marcus, is of course, it's like watching Seinfeld in the sense that 
There's no cell phones. There's all kinds of plot lines that can't happen today because you just call a cell phone. Oh, I was thinking that, you know what, actually a while back I, I watched an episode of Seinfeld where it, it was revolved around the availability of a home phone, you know. There it, you was, it was the entire plot. Right. There are entire episodes of Seinfeld that if you simply inserted a, a cell phone, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? And yeah. Um, there are, same thing as Hill Street Blues, you're watching the show and you go, now, because of the the period in time, it's like watching an old western. You wouldn't you wouldn't watch an old John Wayne movie and say, "Well, if they had a cell phone," you know, it, it it's not like that because you can tell from the time period, um, and it it would seem unnatural. But right, um, they're still very good shows. What's interesting, Marcus, is that the guy who was one of the one of the writers on that was Dick Wolf. Yeah. Way down the line of writers. Law and Order. Right. Yeah. He went from there to Law and Order and, and all those other programs. The um, show. I meant to ask. That's right. So Sam Watterson Matt had Boyce lunch. Zone. Okay. Because he had lunch with John Bullard. Because I saw it all. Like a Matt Poison. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. He's at Turks all the time. Okay. Because I saw a picture of him. It was like fairly... It was one of the WBSM or Phone 107 articles like celebrity sightings in the South Coast. And it was a picture of Sam Watterson having lunch with John Bullard, former mayor of New Bedford. Right. And so I meant to like text John Bullard and be like, hey, are you friends with Sam Watterson? Because I saw this old pic from like 2018. Right. But you uh, probably would have said yes. Otherwise, because he wouldn't be like, why would I have, be having lunch with him we friends? <laughs> no. I, yeah, Marcus. No. I'm friends with <laughs> Sam Watterson. <laughs> I... I um. I've seen him in Turks a bunch of times. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> I know someone one time who was in there, and they asked him, "Hey, would you mind um, if we sat someone else at this table? If you would you move over there?" And my friend said, "Yeah, I don't mind, you know." Yeah. And it was Sam Waterhouse, and you thought, you, "They really moved me for a celebrity." <laughs> right. But I said, well, "It was not a celebrity. That guy's there all the time." Oh. Was- in other words, Sam Waterhouse is there more than anybody else. Sam Watterson, yeah. yeah. He's there more than anybody else. Right. Really. So he's yeah. just a regular. Yeah, all the, a celebrity yeah. is just a yeah. regular. Yeah. Right, we got to take a break. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, welcome back. You like that? <laughs> so, Marcus, um, we've got some interesting stuff. Yeah. We have um, Bobby Kennedy. Okay. Um, who's in the listening audience. He has a, a place here on Cape Cod. Um, he was fighting the windmills on Cape Cod out in the, out in the harbor, right? In, in, in Nantucket Sound. Yeah, sure. Successfully. Yeah. He's running for president. He is running for president. What he, do you make of In your party. Yeah. What do I make of it? Yes. Not much. Um, but it's interesting to talk about. Like, it's wild. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's something, cause he's not like, okay, he's a Kennedy. His name's Bobby Kennedy, but he's not. A Kennedy in that he's not tapped in in the way, let's say Joe Kennedy the third is tapped in, or his father is. He's not really tapped into to, to, to any of that. So I, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think it's fun. It's something to talk about. Do I think it's he's going to win? He's going to be the president? No, I don't think so. Well, his namesake ran for president, and he was. Uh, I think he would have had a good shot. Unfortunately, he was murdered. Come on, that was a terrible pun. What do you mean? A good shot. <laughs> the um, I would say to Bobby Junior. Was this? Was it? Was it, Yeah. Sirhan, Sirhan. 
No, I know it was Sirhan. Sirhan. Bobby says no. Bobby Jr. says Sirhan didn't oh, do oh, it. Oh, oh, well, I know Sirhan Sirhan was arrested for doing it. Now That's Bobby, what I should say. Right. Bobby Jr., yeah. unlike the rest of the family, says Sirhan Sirhan didn't do it. Yeah. His mother. I wouldn't be surprised. Now, his mother, Bobby Kennedy, obviously, Bobby's wife, um, is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, she believes that Sirhan Sirhan did it. Yeah. Um, I believe Bobby's brothers and sisters all believe that Sirhan Sirhan did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a writer on here um, whose name escapes me for the moment, but it'll come back to me. I remember. Uh, he, used, he met with Sirhan Sirhan, and... Um, Tim Weisberg arranged the guy. Who, he knows him. Okay. Um, his name escapes you. Right? This is I remember. It was, it was like five years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, he he says Sirhan Sirhan did it. Okay. He originally didn't think Sirhan did it. But Bobby Kennedy is running as wasn't an anti-vaccination he, guy, I think. Wasn't he... It's not a good wedge issue for the Democratic Party. Wasn't he... Isn't the, 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 the argument was he was shot point blank in the chest but that's where actually where the exit wound was like he was shot in the back so the there's more bullet holes than there were um, available bullets to Sarhan Sarhan <laughs> that's one of the things they say yeah but I don't know and again forensics have come a long way since 1968 um, and so what was available in 1968 is not available now right right um, but there was also all this conspiracy that, you know, the archives for the Bobby Kennedy assassination are right here at UMass Dartmouth. Okay. So you can go over there if you're interested and really do a lot of research. It's mm-hmm. all available right there. I wouldn't, I mean, um, Melanson was the professor over there, uh, who died of cancer relatively young. He had the most... Um, attended course, most popular course at UMass Dartmouth. It was called Assassinations. Political oh, yeah. Assassinations. Of course that would be, yeah. It was. And Melanson was part of the Political Assassination Scholarship Community. Um, there's a lot of his work is online, YouTube videos, things like that, that are worth watching. Now, the unfortunate part, Marcus, Melanson was a serious scholar. I don't agree with all of his research, but, you know, that that's not that's not the point. He did a lot of serious research. You'll find sometimes that 